0: Proverbs chapter 1. We'll look at the first seven verses this morning as we launch out into a summer full of the book of Proverbs. We're going to take about 10 weeks to go through this book. I've been looking forward to this. I know the pastors have been looking forward to this uh, for quite some time. So uh, we're launching out into this water today. I came across a quote somewhat randomly uh, this week And it's been attributed to Mark Twain. It's been attributed to some other people as well. Um, And there's some different variations of it. But the basic gist, every time I found it, was the same. It went something like this. And I can resonate with this, so I might not have said it as strongly as he says certain parts. He says, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21... I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. I just thought that was a very clever way of stating what has happened to many of us. Uh, As we go through adolescence and into adulthood where uh, we often, and I'm thinking of fathers today, but we look at our parents or those in authority over us as being fools sometimes when we've started to get a certain capacity and knowledge base and insight when really we're the fools. They're actually the ones who have wisdom and are giving us instruction and guidance and we just haven't had time to see it and to to appreciate it yet. And when we do, uh, I hope that we are extra grateful to them, to our fathers, to our mothers, to our teachers, pastors, counselors, people who have worked with us and and been uh, through our foolish years uh, and be especially grateful for them for being faithful to teach us, to keep after us, to keep disciplining us and training us and setting godly examples for us uh, as we've grown into maturity. Um, but we, we picked this book of the Bible, and the reason I mentioned even that quote, we, we started this book of the Bible on purpose on Father's Day uh, because this book of the Bible is the only one that very explicitly, very clearly is written as a father to his children. Uh, It's a collection of sayings and wisdom that a dad was seeking to impart to his kids, to to his sons in particular. And so we wanted to start this today on Father's Day and start at the very beginning of this book as well because we can learn from this book just as much as the original recipients of it. It's been uh, wisdom that's been passed down to God's people for thousands of years now and we would be wise to hear it and read it and listen to it ourselves. And so uh, we're gonna start right at the beginning. That's the best place to start when you're going into a book of the Bible. It is 31 chapters long, and we have 10 weeks to go through it, so we're not going to remotely cover all of it, but we did want to cover the very beginning of it to see uh, how it was put together and who it was from and whatnot. Um, So we're going to start, we're going to read the first seven verses of this book of Proverbs, and I trust it'll be helpful for us as we get a picture of the, the waters we're going out into this summer. But follow along with me. Yours may have some different words, variations, but the main idea should be the same. It goes like this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction." You are maybe very familiar with these texts, uh, verses, maybe you're not, but I, I think very simply this whole book and really this beginning part could be summarized in just a few short words that I would want to convey to us today, and it's this, is grow in wisdom, grow in wisdom. That is the message of the book of Proverbs, and you see it very clearly in these first several verses that this book was designed to help people grow in wisdom. And we're going to look at that and talk about that a bit, and we'll see a couple ways in particular that we are to grow in wisdom. And just to to preview it, the ways I would say that, that we grow in wisdom are by fearing the Father and by following the Son. That's the ways that we grow in wisdom, fearing the Father and following the Son. But I wanted to give you just a little bit of background. I know a lot of you are very familiar with Proverbs. You maybe know much of what I'm about to say, but I know some of us don't, and we may not be real familiar with this book. (laughs) So if you're not, I wanted to take a couple minutes and tell you a little bit about what this is and lay some groundwork for us as we go into it this summer. It was very common in the ancient world, even a a few thousand years ago, around this time that this was put together, for wise people to compile sayings, for them to take things either that they had thought of themselves or they had heard from different pieces of wisdom, literature, or they had read themselves. And they would compile these and then give them to someone as a way, as instruction to them, as something to, to tell them how to live and what to know and what to believe, how to operate in this world. Oftentimes it would be to a son or to a prince or to someone who is going to have a, a position of notoriety and so Proverbs is one of these. It's an example. Proverbs is not unique in that sense. There was a lot of documents like this in Egypt and other places where there'd be this collection of wise sayings, this, this desire to pass on wisdom to people coming behind. But we believe and know to be true as, as time has proven out that this book is unique in the sense that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That as Solomon and others who, who compiled these, wrote these out and then put them together, that the Spirit was inspiring these and even the assembling of them. And so when we read this book, we read it with that confidence, that it's not just sayings of somebody that we can kind of think, that's good, that's not, I'll take that and leave that on the shelf. It is all for us. It's all inspired by God for us to read and learn and to, to believe and to apply in our lives. But humanly speaking, we know the Spirit was the one inspiring it, putting it together. But humanly speaking, you see who the instrument is right at the beginning of this. If you notice in verse 1, it starts right off the bat and tells you who the main person is that put this together. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, who is the son of David, the king of Israel. And I don't have time to tell you a lot about him. You could read back more in the Old Testament if you'd like to read more about his life. There's tons of record of it. But suffice it to say for now, he was one of the most amazing kings that God's people ever had in the Old Testament. He was the son of David, who was probably the greatest king that God's people had in the Old Testament. So he was the one he had been around. He had seen live. He had been learning from, hearing the wisdom of his dad. But then as Solomon had come into adulthood, he had extra doses of wisdom. If you go back and read 1 Kings, for example, chapter 4, uh, God, God said this about, or the story records this way, it says that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. And a few verses later it says that people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And so this guy, humanly speaking, was the source of wisdom in that day and age. And even as time has gone on in human history, when you want to learn wisdom, many people come to this very book, even non-Christians come to this book to learn about life and about how we're to live in it. And God was giving Solomon, the man who compiled and wrote most of these sayings that are in the book of Proverbs, he was giving him extra doses of wisdom so that we could be beneficiaries of it, that we could then read what he wrote and what God had showed him and benefit from it ourselves and so you see though the message of this book that solomon most of them are his sayings, some are some others from some other people the main message of this becomes very clear in verses two through six of why this book is even put together and it, i like i said before the main way i would summarize it is grow in wisdom that's the desired goal of the book of proverbs is that people would grow in wisdom it was very common uh, with these compilings of sayings at the very beginning for there to be like short little instructions that would be given for like parents or teachers or people who'd be reading these things and who'd be using them to teach and learn and grow. There would be these little instructions, almost like when you uh, read a book today, there's sometimes something called a forward or like a, a couple little notes beforehand before you actually get into the meat of the book. That's kind of what these verses are like, two through six. It's the, the person who compiled saying, this is what this book's about. It's going to be 31 chapters. They wouldn't have thought of it in chapters, but it's going to be long. But this is before you set out. This is what it's about. And you see there's like this pile of words that they put together that are all very similar, uh, that, that are all around this idea of wisdom. And so there's all these statements that start, to blah, 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 to blah, 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 to blah, blah, blah. And he's saying that these Proverbs were assembled to bring these things about. You see words like wisdom, instruction, Insight, wise dealing, prudence, knowledge, discretion, all these types of words that are, they're all similar in in this vein of wisdom. If you guys ever use a thesaurus, I like to use those sometimes if I'm writing something and I have a word and then I I need to think of some other word because I've used that one too much. And then it gives me like this cloud of words that I could use instead. That's kind of what's going on here. All these words are loosely, they're close together and they're all this idea of wisdom, this idea that that is what this book is about And then you see a lot of verbs in there too, like that are are kind of piled up together, that what is supposed to happen with all this wisdom, you see words like to know it, to understand it, to receive it, to hear it, to increase in it, to obtain it. It's all this idea of like getting it and growing in it and, and having it. So all this wisdom that's out there, that's in this book, we're supposed to, by reading it and learning it, we're supposed to get it. We're supposed to receive it and hear it and do it. But the the question that we need to think about first of all is, what is wisdom then? Uh, We see that word a lot. What does it mean to be wise? Uh, What does it mean to wise up? Like we're saying with this series and what this passage is telling us to do. The way I would define wisdom, and others have said it this way, so this is not my words, is wisdom is practical knowledge and skill. Practical knowledge and skill of living in accordance with God's order. That it's wisdom is practical knowledge and skill of living in accordance with God's order. So being wise is not the same as being smart. I want kids to know that in particular. Sometimes we think of, of being wise as being smart. Like I'm good at reading and writing and, and I know a lot of facts and so I'm wise. That is not what wisdom is. Wisdom, uh, there's an a author, a poet named William Cooper who said, he talked about knowledge and like intelligence. He said Knowledge are the mere materials with which wisdom builds. I thought that was a very good saying, that, that just knowing stuff doesn't mean you're wise. There's a lot of, there's people with PhDs who are fools. And there are people who have, don't have a middle school education who are wise. The, and wisdom is not just knowing facts, it's knowing how God has made this world and saying, I'm going to live that way in it. And it's not just growing in experience either. I've known people who've been around this this sun many more times than I have. I had a birthday yesterday. I know people who've been around it three times as many times as I have, and they're no wiser than me just for having lived and seen things. It's not just knowing experience. It's seeing the world the right way. It's seeing it the way that God has made it and saying, I want to live the way God made this world to be lived in. That's what it means to be wise. And we're to grow in that slowly, whether we're 5 or whether we're 75. We're to always be growing in wisdom. I want to point out one thing to you before we move on down to verse 7, which is where we're going to sit the longest. Because I think sometimes when we think of Proverbs, we only think of Proverbs as being for young people. Like we think, well, this was a dad writing to his kids and trying to get them ready for adulthood. It's just, this is mainly for teenagers to read or kids to read or young adults to read. But I want to point out something to you. The main reason I think we think that is in verse 4, if you look at that, because this book really is in a lot of ways for young people, that there's truth to that. It says here that it's to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Like, it is for young people. That, that is a group of people who needs to grow in wisdom. But look at verse 5, the very next thing, because we could easily miss this. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. So he's saying, people, if you're already wise, you still need to increase in wisdom. If you've already understood things, you need to still obtain guidance. There there is none of us who outgrow this need for wisdom. There's none of us, if I've read Proverbs a couple times, I'm good to go. I know what's in there. I, I can live this out. We need to keep reading this book. We need to keep reading this bigger book as a whole and growing in wisdom whether we're young or old. I was thinking of like an axe that needs sharpening over and over again. Just because it's sharpened once doesn't mean it never needs to be sharpened again, right? As it gets used, it needs to be sharpened again. Or I was thinking of athletes who have reached a really high level of achievement and and they're playing at, at high capacities. They still need to practice. They still need to train, right? Uh, Or I was thinking of school. Like there's been many graduations recently uh, where we kind of, we say, "I've, I've, I've accomplished this level of education. Now I can move on to another. There is no graduation from the School of Wisdom. Like, it doesn't matter until, until Christ returns or until God calls you to come home to be with him. You need to be, if you're part of God's people, growing in wisdom. That is something that we all should be doing. So this book of Proverbs is for young people and old people. It's for fools and wise people for us to read. And I, I, I want to commend fathers in particular this summer to take opportunity to help your children grow in wisdom. As we go through this book of Proverbs Use it with your kids. Like you see modeled in this book, as as you read it, I trust this summer, you'll see Solomon's heart for his kids. That he's not just sitting doing his kingly things and all his important things and not investing in his kids. He wants his kids to follow the Lord. He wants them to trust him and obey him and live in wise ways that God's called them to live. We have his example and we are called to do that ourselves. And this is the best tool, I think, in the Bible that we have to do that, is the book of Proverbs. To read it and think about it with them and help them see the ways that God calls them to live in this world. We have this. This is actually the last copy available currently of this book. So if you want this, you can run up here later and grab it from me, real quick. Um, but I'll maybe order some more. But we have this book that we're recommending to families of kids with grade schoolers or younger. Uh, that'll have some devotionals that'll go along with our sermons this summer. It's called Wise Up. Would highly recommend that to you or to use some sort of tool, even if it's just reading Proverbs itself. Uh, use it this summer. Talk with your children about God's world and how He's made it and how He calls us to live in it. Let Father's Day be the day that you renew efforts in that direction, that God empowers you uh, to do that with your children this summer, to help them grow in wisdom. So that sounds nice, grow in wisdom, but I want to point out one thing of how to, or two things really, of how to do that, how to grow in wisdom. One will be from this text, and then one I'll elaborate on a little bit, but I want you to look at verse 7. This is where I want to spend a few minutes to see how do we grow in wisdom? How does that start? What's the basis of it? Because verse 7, there's a, there's a pastor named Ray Ortland who said this. He said, if you could distill the entire message of the book of Proverbs like down into a single drop, like if you could evaporate everything else and just get it down to a single drop, this book, it'd be this verse, verse 7 of chapter 1, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I think he's right in that because the the compiler of this book is wanting us to see this before we start reading all of this wisdom and gleaning from it. He wants us to remember this, that the beginning of knowledge, or later he says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so the first way I would say that we grow in wisdom is by fearing the Father, by fearing God the Father. If, if this book is going to have its intended effect on you this summer, you need to start by having a fear of the Father, a fear of the Lord within your heart. And I want to be clear, that is not how... When it, the Bible talks about fear of the Lord, fear of God, fear of God the Father. It's not fear in the sense of terror. There are some of you who had horrible fathers, who mistreated you, and when you think of your dad, maybe you do think of fear, but it's in the sense of, I was afraid he was going to hit me. I was afraid he was going to yell at me. I was afraid he was going to be verbally aggressive with me. That is not at all the image that we should have of God the Father, of God the Lord. When we're called to fear him, it's it's a much different picture. It's this idea of reverence and awe that we're supposed to have before God the Father. This idea and realization of how small I am and how great he is. How undeserving I am, but how incredibly generous and loving he is towards me. It's a, it's a sense of awe and reverence we're to have for him. I was thinking about this because I was with my dad yesterday. I, w- I was remembering how when I was a kid, and maybe some of you can relate to this, especially if you had a, a good father. There's this sense when I was a kid of me just being in awe of what my dad could do. Uh, like, especially when I was a real little kid, like, because I would try to lift something, I couldn't even get the thing to budge, and then he would just grab one hand and throw it over his shoulder and take it to wherever it needed to go. Or if I need, if I could just pick up twigs, he could pick up logs, and, and uh, he could turn light, like, put light bulbs in and let there be light in the room again, and <laughs> all these, he could... Turn a thing and drive a vehicle a place that like get us far away. And like he knew all this stuff and could do all this stuff. And I, I think that's a good sense we have of our dads, of this like awe and wonder. Like, how does he do all that stuff? And we might not have words to think of that when we're a little kid, but that is a sense of like fear and awe and regard for our, our father. And that is getting a little picture of what we ought to have before God the Father. When, if you ever stop and think about how small you are in comparison to him. like We are like a bug on a little rock in a little solar system in a galaxy that is just a little sliver of a universe that he spoke into existence by a word. And like if we are in wonder that there was a tree that fell down on our street this morning. We were without power. And if we see a dad going out there and picking up limbs and and branches and stuff this morning, a kid might be in awe of that. But then we think about our heavenly father is one who sent every lightning bolt exactly where he wanted it to go. And can create storms. And he spoke the universe into existence. We, we are amazed our dad can change light bulbs. And we worship the God and have him as our father said, let there be light. And there was light. Like that is our father. And we ought to have a sense of fear and reverence and awe and love for him that far surpasses the love we have for our dad here on earth. And Solomon is saying, if you want to be wise, start there. Like, have wisdom in, in, that starts with a regard for God and a reverence for Him. Because if you don't have that, it is very easy to take all the wisdom that you can glean from this book and the, the ideas of how to engage people and how to, to see good things happen in your life. It's very tempting to start to do those things just so that you can grow things for yourself. Just so to be, if, if there's proverbs about listening to people, you say, well, I'll listen to them because I want them to give me stuff back. Or or if there's cautions against being stingy and saying, stingy people don't have friends, you can say, well, I want to have friends, so I better be generous to people So I just start giving stuff to get what I want back. And there's this temptation we have to read the wisdom that comes in Proverbs with eyes for how it gains me, how it does good for me, and not at all with a regard for God made this world that I'm living in. And God made these people that I'm interacting with, and I want to see his perspective on it, and I want to live his way. And so we need to start with a fear of the Lord. That is how wisdom begins. But it's not in the sense of like an on-ramp onto a road. Like it's the beginning, and then we just do other stuff. And it's not like a door you walk through once. Like, I decided to fear God, and then now I have all this wisdom to learn from. It's, one person has described it as this fear being the beginning of knowledge, of wisdom is thinking of it this way that this fear of god is almost like you need it the same way you need an alphabet to be able to read you got to understand letters before you can read words and sentences right or you need to know what numbers are before you can add them together or multiply them like you have to have these foundational concepts that are still there as you get older and understand more that's what the fear of the lord is like i need to have it the rest of my life it's not something i have once and then goes away i need it all of my life, this fear of the Father, this fear of the Lord, if I desire to be wise. Sadly, Solomon, when he got older in his life, he seems to have lost this fear of the Lord. If you read the account of his life, it seems that slowly but surely he lost this very thing that he said is the start of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. He lost a fear of God. And you read on in 1 Kings, from what we read earlier, in 1 Kings chapter 11, it says that the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. And you see that there's this judgment that then comes down to Solomon who walked away from this fear of God, from this reverence for him and started living his own way, starting to do his own thing like a fool again. And when we remember that, that could be discouraging for for us to just keep reading this book of the Bible. Think, really? Like this guy who who is so wise and so great and who I need to learn from, like he didn't even live this stuff? Why should I read this? Like what hope do I have that I'm gonna be strong enough or good enough or, or solid enough to actually do what God calls me to do? And that would be a good question for us to ask. And that's why I would say not just... When we want to grow in wisdom, it's not just that we should fear God the Father. But I would also say this, and this gets beyond this text itself. But I would also say that we need to follow the Son, follow Jesus. Because when he came onto the scene, he did something that Solomon never could do and what none of us are even capable of. When he came into the world, when God the Son and the person of Jesus came into this world, do you know what he said about himself? In Matthew chapter 12, He had the audacity about himself to say, one greater than Solomon is here. He said that about himself, like their greatest king, their their one who had been so wise and wealthy and and world-renowned. He had the audacity to say, one greater than Solomon is here. And he was talking about himself. And he was right to say that because he succeeded in every way that Solomon failed. He endured long past when Solomon gave up. And when Solomon gave in and stopped fearing the Lord, Jesus endured. You read the story of Jesus' life. And from the time he was a baby, you see in Luke chapter 2, it says that he grew in wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, 52, that Jesus as a human grew in wisdom. He learned things. He learned how, humanly speaking, to live This world, and as he grew into adolescence and adulthood, he lived the principles of Proverbs and of God's Word, God's law. He lived it perfectly. He had no wavering, he had no foolishness mixed in there, he had no sin mixed in there like Solomon did. He lived perfectly. But as he got to the end of his life, he did something far different than Solomon. Solomon waned, and Solomon disobeyed and moved away from the Lord. When Jesus came to the end of his life, he didn't stop fearing God. If anything, he had the opportunity for his fear to really become the fear that's like terror. Because as he came to the end of his life, he saw what was coming to him. And it was not pleasant. He saw that our foolishness, my foolishness, my, my dumb disobedience to God was about to be put on him. And he knew he was going to be crushed on the cross for our foolishness. But he didn't wander away from that. He faced it and entered into it. And outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, he was put to death on a cross for our foolishness, for our sin, for our rejection and lack of fear of God. He did not lack. He had great fear and reverence for God enough that he was willing to lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sins, for our foolishness. And God, as a result, a few days after that, raised him back up from the dead and brought him back to be with him and has made him not just king of Israel like Solomon was for a short period of time, has made him king of the universe for eternity. He has raised him from the dead and get this on Father's Day, he grants us the opportunity now to become children of God ourselves. Not something that we're, you're not born into the world as a child of God, but because of what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection, he offers you the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to become a son or daughter of the God of the universe. I don't care how great you think your dad is on Father's Day today, that is far better to become his child, to become his son or his daughter. The apostle John said that to all, talking about Jesus, he said to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children we have this great privilege uh, to become children of God. That's why we've called, uh, if you can see the the small font in the middle there, we've called this series, The King's Counsel for His Kids. And in a lot of ways, Proverbs is Solomon's counsel for his kids of how to live in this world. But now we can read it today, thousands of years later, as God's children with counsel from him about how to live as his sons and daughters in this world and on this planet that he's put us on. And I would urge you today, if you have never received this adoption into the family of God that, this, that Christ has gained for you, let, to, let Father's Day be the day that you become his child. All that is asked of you is that you would repent, you would turn away, I would say, it, turn away from your sins. And put your trust in that son of God who died for you and was raised from the dead for you. And if you do that, you will become a child of God today. And you will be grateful for eternity that you did. I want to say one other thing about this idea of following the Son, and then we're going to take communion together and sing a few songs together. I wanted wanted to mention this idea of Christ and following him, uh, even though it's not explicit in this passage, because I think there's, and as pastors we've talked about this, there's this temptation for us to come to the book of Proverbs and just read it as like moral sayings, as things that I'm commanded to do, that I'm cautioned against doing. And I think that's part of why we like reading it. Sometimes these short little boom, okay, I got my little shot in the arm. I can do that today. I need to be careful about gossiping today. I need to to love my family well. I need to be generous with people today. Like it's just this moral, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And there's something in us that likes that. It feels easy. But we are called not just to follow principles. We are called to follow a person. And when we read the book of Proverbs, we need to remember that there's a bigger story that we're a part of where there's one who came and lived these perfectly already for you. And there's one who came and died for your foolishness and for your disobedience to these commands. And so read it with that story in mind. And as we hear sermons this summer and go through these books with our kids or read Proverbs ourselves, let's read this book remembering that we have the real wise king, the the wisest king who has ever lived, who has died for us and been raised from the dead for us and now gives us his spirit to live these out. We don't have to read these like cold words on a page this summer. We read these and then we have the spirit within us to help us do it, to help us be careful about our words and to help us to be generous with our money. And we have the spirit of Christ within us to empower us to do these things in ways Solomon never could and that nonbelievers never could. We are called to follow the person of Christ, not just the principles of Proverbs.